This is a Technicom podcast. Algorithms and looking for effective treatment for children with cancer. At first, this seems like an odd pairing, but by the end of today's podcast, you might think a little differently. I'm Peter Balland from Technicon, and today we look again at the IPCH 2020 European Project. In this project, medical doctors, researchers, and clinicians come together with computer scientists and experts in artificial intelligence to arrive at an answer to one simple question. How can we assign treatment plans to children with cancer without causing harm or major side effects? And this is where algorithms and artificial intelligence come in. Today from the IPC project, we speak with Peter Mestach, principal investigator at the Cancer Research Institute, Ghent. He is a project partner in IPC, and he shares his team's methods with us for a better understanding of their motives. Let's have a listen. Welcome to the podcast, Peter. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. You are using an efficient method called computational deconvolution to understand the different cell types in a tumor sample in order to predict response to immunotherapy. This could quickly become a complex conversation, but I'd like you to tell us what this means in simple terms. Sure. So I think the first thing you need to realize is that uh, a tumor tissue, or or, or any tissue for that matter, uh, so a tumor tissue does not only consist of of tumor cells. So these tissues are are very heterogeneous. They're a heterogeneous mixture of uh, various different cell types, including tumor cells, uh, but, but also, for instance, immune cells. And on top of that, even a tumor cell within a tumor tissue is not identical uh, or per se uh, identical to other tumor cells in that tissue. So some tumor cells may, for instance, be more resistant uh, to certain therapies while others are not. So that's that's a key uh, thing to understand before we can uh, move on to explaining what computational deconvolution actually is. Um, So... If we can understand the cellular composition of a tumor tissue, um, we could potentially make predictions on the course of the disease, on the prognosis of the patient, uh, even uh, the response to certain therapies. And we know, for instance, that uh, the presence of certain immune cell types within a tumor tissue is associated to response to immune therapy, for instance. Now, to determine the cellular composition of a tumor, there's various approaches and technologies that we can use. And uh, by far the most advanced technology is a technology that we refer to as single cell RNA sequencing. And so single cell RNA sequencing allows you to quantify the gene expression profile of individual cells within a tissue. And such a gene expression profile can then be used to determine the type of cell the profile is derived from. So by performing single cell RNA sequencing, you can actually uh, determine the cellular composition uh, of a a tissue, for instance, a tumor tissue. Now, the problem with this technology is that uh, while it's uh, for sure state of the art, it's still pretty expensive today. You need to be able to quantify the gene expression profile of thousands of individual cells in the sample. And the setting as it is today is not really uh, compatible with a a clinical application yet. So what we are trying to do with computational deconvolution is to determine the fraction of individual cell types or different cell types in a tumor tissue using the gene expression profile from the entire tumor sample. 
Now, generating such a gene expression profile eh, of a bulk tumor sample is, is especially compared to single-cell RNA sequencing, relatively cheap and definitely compatible with, uh, with the clinical setting and clinical application. Now, the challenge is how do you decompose the bulk signal coming from this entire tumor tissue into uh, eventually what we need, cell fractions. And the algorithms that do that are uh, commonly referred to as computational deconvolution algorithms. So what we are trying to do is to develop methods computational deconvolution methods that uh, can define uh, individual cell fractions uh, for uh, different types of pediatric cancer tumor tissues. Okay, well, that's a lot to get a hold of, but I think that the clear message there might be that um, there's just not one single way to approach a um, treatment plan. It could be different for many different cases. Yes, um, I think uh, so. Uh, it, if you're referring to treatment as, as, as treatment of the patient, and there's a lot of information that goes into the therapeutic decision making. And it's only very recently uh, that we have started to understand, well, first of all, the fact that uh, tumors are quite heterogeneous, that uh, tumor tissues are composed of other cell types, healthy cell types, that can impact the wiring and the signaling within the tumor cells, that can impact how tumors will respond uh, to therapy, or at least to certain therapies. So being able to quantify this information, being able to, to, to determine uh, this Decomposition can help uh, in in therapeutic uh, decision making. And now this is, of course, uh, very early days. These things are not uh, routine uh, clinical practice yet, uh, as we are still starting to understand the associations between, for instance, therapy response and, and different cellular subtypes. And, and this is exactly what we want to do within IPC, and then specifically focused on pediatric cancer types, is to understand how heterogeneity, cellular heterogeneity and composition within a tumor tissue is associated to the prognosis of the patient, the response of the patient to therapy and so on. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your potential outcomes. I mean, I think these are comprised of algorithms. Um, how are the results from IPC shared or applied for others in the future? Yeah, so, so the outcomes are, are indeed algorithms. Uh, I would even say validated algorithms. Uh, we're not just building algorithms. We are building algorithms to, uh, um, to apply uh, and, uh, to in, in certain settings and to validate that we can use them for the purpose that they were developed. So it will be validated algorithms. And, and this is done by integrating data from, from various resources, data that we've collected from various sources uh, that we use for 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 validation of, of, of the methods that we de develop. Um, so these data, for instance, allow us to, to evaluate uh, performance with respect to, say, for instance, patient prognosis or, or, or therapy response. And the end goal is to make, of course, these algorithms publicly available. And we can do that through various routes. Uh, there's, of course, scientific publications, but also dedicated software repositories uh, where uh, the software that is being developed within IPC, the algorithms that are being developed, uh, will be made available. And, and uh, I think this is especially uh, important because it will allow others um, to not only apply the algorithms in other data sets, uh, but uh, also even modify or further optimize uh, what we have built uh, to make it more compatible, for instance, uh, to use or to apply to other cancer types. Okay.
And when I look at other projects like this out there, perhaps other H2020 uh, projects, research projects, they often have some sort of clinical trial attached. And if I understand this correctly, in IPC, there is no clinical trial component, meaning that no tumor samples are collected. So then um, what then are you using to apply your algorithm to? Well, indeed. So we are not... Uh, uh... Running clinical trials is not an active component of, uh, of IPC, but of course, um, there is a lot of data out there. Uh, a lot of genomics data and transcriptomics data have been generated uh, for different cancer types, uh, basically for, for any, uh, any cancer type. Uh, uh, data has been generated with respect to transcriptomic genome uh, composition, uh, mutations, uh, fusion genes, uh, what have you. So what we're doing within IPC is um, is we've basically collected it. This, this has been one of the first steps was to collect the publicly available information that is out there, the thousands of profiles uh, that have been published and are publicly available um, for the scientific community to work with. Uh, this, this data has been collected and organized in such a way that we can now easily access it in a uniform way uh, between the different partners within IPC and use it to develop and, and build uh, our algorithms. So we're basically making use of enormous amounts of publicly available data that has been generated over the years and trying to build and develop novel ways of looking and interpreting that data, always ultimately with the aim to help the patient. And yeah, it sounds like that's a highly effective approach, actually. I, I wonder, though, um, you are, if, if according to the website, you are focusing on um, identifying effective personalized medicine for pediatric cancers. And I wonder if your discoveries in IPC could serve a wider demographic at some point. I mean, the things that you're doing in IPC, could they sort of extend beyond the world of pediatrics? Well, they may. So um, the algorithms that we are developing are not necessarily limited in, in application, at least to pediatric cancer types. Um, I would definitely say that the concepts and the frameworks that underlie the algorithms that are being built in within IPC are definitely also relevant for other cancer types, uh, both pediatric and, uh, and adult. Uh, they may require a specific tweaking. They may re require different input parameters, but they can definitely serve uh, as a basis for other cancer types uh, if, uh, if properly validated, uh, for sure. Actually, we're, we're also within IPC actually also using data from adult cancer types uh, to uh, often to, to fill in blanks um, in, the, in the data that is available for, for pediatric cancer. Some of the data that is out there that we use uh, within IPC is is mainly focused on adult cancer types, but so we're also using information from adult cancer types to to build to build and and improve uh, our uh, pediatric cancer models. So for sure, there will definitely be uh, applications uh, beyond uh, pediatric cancer types, and the frameworks that we are building are wild, wildly uh, applicable, of course. So the work that you're doing could continue on for a long, long time, actually, with these um, with the algorithms that you're working on. Well, it, it, indeed. Eh? So um, uh, I think what we are specifically focusing now uh, on is, is, of course, pediatric cancer. Um, but uh, once you have a framework that appears to 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 
to be very efficient in, in doing what you wanted to do, in, in our case, computational deconvolution, uh, we can leverage that information and, and train the models to also uh, work uh, for other cancer types, uh, other adult cancer types where um, uh, generating knowledge on, on the composition of a tumor tissue uh, has relevant applications towards clinical decision-making, uh, therapy response uh, predictions, and so on. Okay. And uh, let's take a look at the pragmatic uh, effects of the COVID pandemic. How how has this affected your work in IPC? Because the pandemic came, you know, sort of when you were in the middle of all of this. Um, so wh- wh- how was that for you? Well, I think to, to some extent within within IPC and, and the work that we put forward uh, when, when writing this uh, and, and scoping this project, we were uh, uh, a bit lucky uh, not to be uh, affected too much uh, as most of the work within IPC is really focused on, on data analysis, not on data generation. So we have still been able, uh, in contrast to too many others, uh, unfortunately, uh, to continue um, at least a big, a big part uh, of the work. But of course, there have been uh, delays. Uh, um, um, there is uh, also an experimental uh, part, uh, uh, experimental work packages uh, that require uh, wet lab work and, and require really experimentation in, in the lab that, of course, were, uh, were, were delayed uh, because of the pandemic. But I, I would say compared to probably a lot of other uh, uh, research projects, um, IPC has been uh, uh, is mainly focused on data analysis. And for data analysis, you you basically need uh, the computing infrastructure, but no access to, to a wet lab. So the impact could have been a lot worse if, uh, if the focus was more on the wet lab or data generation kind of area. Oh, yes, for sure. What about other challenges from your side or from your team um, at the university? Um, what kind of challenges did you face other than this COVID situation? Well, there's there's always uh, technical challenges, uh, of course, and methodological challenges when you're developing new ways, new methods, new new procedures to to try to address certain certain questions. Um, I think one this is very specific for for uh, for our case, uh, building these computational deconvolution methods. We we actually need. To validate our methods, uh, to validate that they work properly and that they, they do a good job in, in in predicting the cellular composition of a tumor sample, we actually first need to define the ground truth. Uh, so what is the true composition of cells in a tumor tissue? And so the ground truth can 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 be derived from, of course, uh, the single cell RNA sequencing data, which is the technology I referred to uh, earlier, uh, state-of-the-art uh, technology that really allows you to determine uh, the identity of individual cell types within a tissue uh, with, with pretty high uh, precision and accuracy. Um, but of course, there's not that many data sets out there. So we've been able, luckily, within IPC to collect several uh, single cell RNA sequencing data sets for a, a, a large number of pediatric cancer data set, uh, cancer cases or cancer types. Um, but uh, the challenge is then, uh, again, uh, to, to try to understand whether they really capture the full spectrum of cellular heterogeneity for each of these cancer types or, or not, and to try to take that into account when um, when developing our methods. So so this very specific uh, challenge is, is one that uh, we are facing uh, in the analysis that we are doing within, within IPC. And finally, uh, let's take a look at this IPC project from the... Um aspect of the individual um, level. So, you know, how could what you're doing have an effect on 
some person or, you know, just maybe even on a societal level, um, science aside? So I think we're all uh, convinced uh, that there is uh, a need for better treatments uh, for cancer patients in general. Uh, and especially definitely for uh, a lot of pediatric cancer cases. Uh, so the ultimate goal of IPC is really to develop new tools that we can use to improve the survival of pediatric cancer patients. That That's the ultimate goal. Um, and that actually means, yeah, being able to develop more effective treatments that are less toxic for the patient that are really administered to the right patients. Uh, if we can develop models that can support us in doing that, then I think we've uh, achieved a, a, a major goal of uh, IPC. I would say that today it's probably a bit too early to evaluate the level of progress that, that IPC will eventually make with respect to these goals, uh, especially because um, yeah, you can develop methods uh, based on, on the data that is out there, but, but ultimately what we do will require prospective validation in, in the clinic to really prove that, that we are improving the outcome and the survival of, of pediatric cancer patients. But we're hopeful and enthusiastic that uh, we'll be able to do that, of course. So when it comes to looking at it from this perspective of the individual or society, we're still relatively early. Uh, yes, and, and, and I think that's, um, that's not because we are slow at IPC. That's just because how this type of research requires uh, time and to, to be able to translate it properly to the clinic. And we can develop methods based on, on the data that is available again, but ultimately we need to do prospective validations uh, in, in, in clinical trials to validate uh, the methods or the new treatments that we put forward and to really demonstrate uh, in an actual clinical setting that uh, what we predict to improve the life expectancy of a, of a patient will actually do that uh, in, in a real life setting. And these things, these type of studies, uh, of course, require time. This is not something you do overnight uh, or, or even in, in a few weeks or months. So, so these things take time. And uh, I think that's why it's, it's too early today to really evaluate ultimately how large the impact of IPC will be on, on the aspect of on, on this specific aspect, which is again improving the survival of pediatric cancer patients. Mm -hmm. Well, this is very important work, and we're really happy to have been able to spend a little bit of time to talk about it and to find out how it affects not just the scientific community, but everyone, um, and especially those who might be suffering with a family member with cancer. So, um, thanks for your contribution in the project. And thank you also for explaining a little bit today. We really appreciate that. Thank you. For more information about IPC, go to ipc-project.eu. The IPC project has received funding from the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Program under grant agreement number 826121.